death. Late summer, 1816. He couldn't breathe. Fought to tamp fury. Anger, controlled and tamed since youth, had turned into a red billowing rage, transforming him into the madman the world had always expected him to be. Christopher trembled as he looked down at his twin, Thomas Anderson Starry, the eighth Earl of Longford, lying lifeless in a pool of blood on the silk obusson carpet. They were in the folly apt name for the long, narrow temple with Doric columns more fitting for a Grecian hilltop than the tellered gardens of the staunch stone athwart manor. An Englishman's folly, meant for summer luncheons and quiet little concerts, bright, open to the sultry breeze, never intended to be a venue for death. This couldn't be possible. The breakfast location had been a last-minute wild idea to bask in the miraculous weather a warm and sunny moment inside a cold and dull summer, as if the heavens wished to bless the couple. Everyone so full of joy as they hurried to change the venue, the carpet and damask-covered table carted from the dining room, immaculately set with gold cutlery, crystal champagne flutes and fine bone china, all in place for a sumptuous alfresco breakfast full of gay laughter and thinly veiled teasing. Thomas's wedding breakfast. Christopher had prepared a surprise. Practice for hours, ready to embarrass himself with a mangled attempt to speak, in honour of his brother, his twin, who should be standing at the altar in the chapel, being married in front of their family and friends, except he hadn't made it to the altar, was murdered instead. Christopher swallowed the chaos, fought the howling beast within. Others would be coming soon to see what caused the delay. They could be here now. He spun around to a stream of people rushing toward the folly. Had he screamed, cried out? His throat was raw with suppressed emotion, so overwhelming something could have escaped. It did when he slept. Nightmare prompted wails that drew servants from all quarters of the manor. Keening, Thomas had called it, like a trapped and wounded beast. He felt trapped now, stunned and primitive as that beast, standing over his brother's body. No question what his youngest brother Edmund thought, charging toward him, lunging up the marble steps. Whatever he saw in Christopher's eyes stopped him, one step shy of the folly floor. He braced his hands against a column, as if to thrust it out of the way, livid accusing eyes on Christopher, blaming him, as everyone would do. Because he was deaf, didn't speak, couldn't explain in a manner acceptable to them, as if he would ever harm Thomas. Grabbing one of their late mother's prized Chippendale chairs, Christopher thrust it at the throng, protecting when it was too late to do so. He needed time to find reason, focus, settle the frenzied fury rising inside. Until then he instinctively refused anyone, even Edmund, access to Thomas. Alarm, fear, so many words written in their faces, he didn't need to hear to know what they were thinking. Edmund, the worst of them. Tears running down his cheeks, spittle spewing from his lips, as he yelled at Christopher. Someone tried to pull Edmund back, but he shrugged them off, dared to take the last step up, heading straight for Christopher and Thomas. Helen, Thomas's intended bride, pushed through the gathering crowd, clung to the column Edmund had just abandoned, her eyes wide, complexion so stark it matched the icy blue of her wedding dress. They should get her away from this. A woman should not be subjected to the sight of a husband-to-be lying in a pool of blood on a dining-room carpet. It should have been a beautiful day, a glorious day. Edmund neared, 
too close. Christopher threatened with his only weapon, a chair meant to seat guests for the wedding breakfast. He thrashed down hard, hitting his brother's wrist with the boar and claw foot. Edmund bucked away, cradling his arm. Helen reached out, crying, pleading with the youngest Derry, but he ignored her. An upset in the gathering drew Edmund's eyes, people making way as a tall, regal figure moved past them with enough presence even the men stepped away. Edmund turned mulish as he walked Lady Eleanor approach. His gaze shifted from her to Christopher and Bark, as she stopped briefly to speak with Helen before stepping into the circle of conflict. Determined to keep Thomas safe from what he didn't know, Christopher held his ground, chair still raised, but he started to ease. Lady Eleanor knew about murder, had attended any number of them with her magistrate father and his successor, her late husband, 